how are you coping post Europe, post uh, the typical German display? 22 men play a game and the Germans walk off with a win. Yeah, the, don't get me started on going with the typical Germans line. It's just, just that's just racism, Ed. It's not acceptable. Uh, but anyway, um, forgetting that, yeah, I'm coping fine. You know, it's it's it, it was horrible last night. It was it was a painful defeat. Um, the Chelsea game was horrible for very different reasons. Uh, but last night, at least, kind of came away from the game feeling very proud of the team's effort. Yeah. For about 40 minutes, I guess, United were outstanding, weren't they? It, just the vibrancy, the youthfulness of the team, obviously, the attacking intent, uh, the rousing Old Trafford atmosphere, all of that um, looked like it was going to be one of those classic European nights for United. Um, obviously, a brilliant start, stunning goal from uh, Gibson. Um, surprise he was in the team, you know, bigger surprise than Rooney being in the team in many ways. Um, just everything was perfect. And then the uh, the third goal went in, and we just all of a sudden sat back like that was enough. It's enough to invite um, a couple of Bayern Munich attacks. They you know, nearly scored from one where Van der Sar saved at the feet of Olic, and then, of course, Olic beat Michael Carrick, a rather weak tackle, and, and scored their goal. And that really gave him a lift. And obviously, the red card for Raphael shortly into the second half kind of killed the game for us. It was a perfect storm. If we'd gone in at half-time 3-0 up, I'm sure that would have made an absolute world of difference. But the, the atmosphere was punctured by the Munich goal and the kind of dawning realisation, actually, we're not stuffing. You know, when you're 3-0 up, you feel like, oh, well, we're stuffing these lot, no worries. But suddenly, no, we're not. Suddenly, everything's very tenuous. And Raphael's inexperience got him sent off, basically. And hopefully, he'll have learned a massive lesson from this because he was brilliant last night. He was magnificent against Ribéry. I, I, I mean, think he has the potential to be a great, great fullback. You know, to use a football cliche, right? The world class, and he's got everything: the the pace, the technique, the attacking intent. He he showed he can defend last night for forty minutes. Uh, I thought he was just stupid with the first yellow card, wasn't he? He didn't need to stick his leg in in the way of uh, Di Michaelis. Uh, he was fouled. He should have got the free kick. He didn't, you know, deal with it. And then the second one, hand on the shoulder. Of course, Ribéry's going, going to make a lot of it. And of course, the players are going to surround the ref and demand the red card. That happens every single time now. And yeah, it's a long way from goal. Um, sometimes the referees won't give that as a yellow, especially when the, the players already had one. So it may be a bit unlucky. But hey, if it had been his first foul, the referee would definitely given a yellow for for that 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 happens in champions league football every time so yeah very naive he'll learn from it i hope although of course he did exactly the same thing against craig bellamy in the uh the manchester derby during the carling cup didn't he that's the thing and it's there's a difference of stage i mean he looked just completely ashamed as he was walking off yesterday he really did look completely devastated and like he was the biggest idiot in the world kind of thing and hopefully he'll kind of bounce back from that and use it as some sort of motivation and because this team I, I, I've been thinking a lot about this all day today and you know we've talked about the inconsistency in this United side um, all season long and apart from the horrific injury list that we've had um, I think there's a, there's a few things which I would postulate as potentially the reasons for the inconsistencies in the side we're a combination of too young and too old you know, Skulls and Giggs and Neville have been distinctly inconsistent all season because of their increasing years. I think probably Giggs the least, so he's just not been very impactful since he's come back from injury. But Skulls has been fabulous and woeful 
week yeah, after week. You know. and, no- and nothing in between. No, exactly. And um, the young players, you expect a degree of inconsistency from them, especially since they're not the kind of... Uh, when you've got um, Beckham, Butt, Skulls, the two Neville brothers, uh, Giggs on the left wing, all growing up together, all from the... S- sort of relatively similar sorts of backgrounds all being marshalled by Roy Keane and inspired by Eric Cantona that that breeds a certain type of mentality which our young players don't have the necessary exposure to get now now out of out of our whole team there's some I think something you'd never associate with um a Sir Alex Ferguson side but there there is a weakness in mentality amongst our team I agree and, I agree I, I in my piece today I said they're passive and I, I think they are um I don't think there's a leader and I don't mean necessarily in that that kind of Roy Keane fist pumping way but they do need a leader yeah and yep. and they look to Rooney for that kind of inspiration um, absolutely because he is one and and Roy Keane was much more than just a fist pumping leader he was also an inspiration in everything he did you know leading by example he wasn't an inspiration by necessarily for everything he did on the pitch or whatever as a human being but as as a leader of men you know and and Rooney has that same galvanizing effect on the team but he's still young and he has got the pressure of being the absolute wonderkind on his shoulders even though out of all the, the players in the side he's definitely one of the least um, that you would accuse of mental weakness of any kind because he seems to be mentally very strong well it, it's, a, it's a real question that Ferguson has to answer now and um, he I mean he's typically typically Ferguson right so we we spoke to last week about him being a, you know, the best absolutely at building sides again and again and taking them down and rebuilding them so you've got to have confidence that he can do this yeah but the the way he's talking suggests that he doesn't think there's a problem now maybe that's just because he doesn't want to destroy the current team's confidence but there does need to be i don't i don't think it's wholesale changes i don't think this is the the twitter sphere reaction that you need to go spend 150 million on yeah, bringing oh, no, every no. star name player. I, yeah, of course not. But yeah. but it, it's it's undoubtedly the case that we are not going to get great seasons out of Giggs, Skulls, Neville, or Van der Sar, and maybe only two of them will be at the club next year anyway. But if they all are, they're going to be bit part players. We have to hope that some of the other younger players will progress in the way that Nani has this season. Uh, and got to say, he was superb last night, wasn't he? Amazing, um, phenomenal. Even when he was kind of given the relatively thankless task of being up front on his own, which is obviously not his position, but he, he was he was terrific. I was really impressed. Yeah, uh, no, it, it's Mark's best best performance in the United shirt for me. That and uh, you know against top quality opposition, then marked him out as a you know. A potentially really top player, he can keep doing that. The only mistake he made, of course, was when he was put through when United were three-two up with a man down, um, and he took the ball wide. Typical winger, he should cut across the defenders. But uh, there you go. Yeah. He'll learn that one. Not not his role to be playing up front on his own, I suppose. But if other younger players can develop in the way he has, and I mean the De Silva brothers and Darren Gibson, and I think that's a long shot with him. And and then I, perhaps some of the others that are on the fringe, like Gabrielle Obertan, who and when Tom Cleverley comes back, he's had a wonderful season at, season at Watford. And if they can progress in the same way, then United are in very good shape. But of course, there's a risk, isn't it, with the younger players? Yeah, because it, it's, it, it's either going to work or it isn't. You know, you're either, I mean, you're either going to get good nanny or bad nanny. You know, nanny's, nanny's been at fault for some pretty dire performances all season long and he definitely seems to have hit a consistent vein of form but I think it's too soon to say even that he's made it 
to that level. He's proven that he can perform at that level, but you know whether whether he can do that consistently. Uh, there were so many positives last night. Valencia was phenomenal. He he just looks he just looks you know when he was signed, everyone was like, oh, that's a pretty decent signing, but he's been instrumental in so many of the good things, the good performances this season, and he's obviously like an absolutely pivotal member of the side that Ferguson's trying to build. I mean, I have to say to just on the point of like Sir Alex saying that everything's fine and it doesn't need a major rebuild, he said the same in 2001. You know, he said the same when, when Van Nistelrooy was playing on his own with his back to goal 40 yards ahead of the play. Mm. So, you know, he, 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 I suspect he probably knows that it's it's not the case. Yeah, I, I, I do I do wonder what the, um, the, the summer transfer policy will be. I mean, he's talked about not spending... Uh, of course, we have to take anything that Ferguson says with a pinch of salt these days because uh, he doesn't always tell the truth, right? As we saw with Rooney, uh, absolutely, definitely not playing and then uh, in the side like 12 hours later. So we'll see. Of course, you know, there's the money issue. There is no cash there. It's all going down to pay debts. So they have this £75 million credit facility. So that's the maximum that they'll spend this summer aside from any player sales. Um, and that's all debt. Leaving that aside, so they do they do have some money. They've uh, the the money for Chris Smalling is twelve million. I presume not all of it's been up front. Although I was talking to you yesterday in the know, suggests that about ten million pounds is up front. Two million on you know, bonuses and appearances. That'll be spread across the contract. Uh, we'll talk about Hernandez in a bit, and uh, I I, uh, I would think the fee, although that's been reported at something like eight million, uh, probably isn't that upfront. Although Mexican football's fairly wealthy, so this is not going to be a, a bargain. But we we have to think of what Ferguson's strategy is here. Um, he's collecting a lot of very young strikers we have at the club now. In addition to Rooney, Owen, and Berbatov as the senior players, Macheda, Welbeck, Mame Biram, Diouf. Joshua King, uh, Javier Hernandez, a few others in the reserve. So there's a lot of players at that sort of 18 to 21 years age. But you'd have to assume that he would get rid of Berbatov if Benzema comes. I mean, you, you know, it's not it's not a surprise to anyone <laughs> that I'm a massive Berbatov apologist. You can't keep Berbatov on the books for another season if you bring in Benzema can you? Well I, I guess I guess it's a factor of how much money they can get for him so do they cut their losses? I mean they might he's 29 uh, he's yeah. not had he's not had a great time at United you, he might take you know a third of what they paid for him now of course over a four year contract 30 million write it down so on United's books he's only actually worth 15 million now so would they take 10 million take a 5 million pound hit amortised they probably would so yeah if I was a team that had 10 million pounds to spend on uh, I would snap I would bite your hand off for Berbatov if you can build if you can build your team around him the problem is Ferguson's decided that he wants to play in a different way um, yeah. and Berbatov doesn't fit into that except when they're playing against the lesser, lesser lights of the Premiership he, he can play two up front is Sir Alex going to be the manager next season? I, I think for sure. I don't see any signs that he's about to quit. Do you? Uh, no, not at all. But I wonder what th- those signs would even look like. I really, you know, it's just... Ha- he's 67 now, right? It really is getting on a bit to be running Manchester United. I mean, I don't know. 67 isn't what it once was, is it? You know, in terms of advances in nutrition and you know stuff like he's, that he's it's... not out on the training pitch i mean he's he's taken less than a dozen training sessions in the last decade yeah. um 
So Mike Phelan, Relly Mullenstein and uh, Oli Gunnar take the vast majority of the training sessions. So he's the kind of director. Think about it like, you know, doing a film and uh, he's got his assistant directors, he's got uh, the people doing the finances, he's got people looking after the academy. He has, uh, what, 40-odd staff at his behest now. So this is not Ferguson, the manager that took over United in 1986. No, uh, so this is... This, uh, uh, uh. A puppet master behind yeah. the scenes making the decisions i mean he's got to take some responsibility for some of the stuff that's gone wrong this season but then it's sir alex you know he's he's the best football manager in history um i think i don't really care who wants to say otherwise i'll argue that till i'm blue in the face or red in the face more appropriately i'll argue that till i'm purple in the nose he, he has always throughout his career had rough patches and made decisions that go wrong and made big gambles that have gone wrong but that's you know it's part of being successful to the extent to which he's been successful you have to try some things and they're not all going to work and circumstances aren't always going to favor you no they're I, not and and but he's a brave manager so um and he does take risks and and we saw that last night i mean if you you take the plodding display against Munich and the, the even worse one against Chelsea at Old Trafford last, last weekend. Um, and then he was brave enough to ditch some legends. Neville, as I predicted before the, the game, was ditched, even though he'd bigged him up about taking on Ribéry. So too Skulls for Gibson and Giggs too. And I, I guess that was the right decision because it produced that vibrant display for 40 minutes. And he'll be brave with rebuilding the squad too, but he does need to do it. And I think there there needs to be some acceptance that it, there is some change. Not massive change, but just a, we are a couple of world-class players short of the best in Europe. Yeah, well, having watched Barcelona the other night, I think everyone's a bit short of a couple of players of the best in Europe, apart from them. Yeah, well, we're quite a lot short in midfield, and, and obviously they, they've got an outstanding midfield if they have Iniesta and Xavi fit, and they, they, they you know, use Busquets as the, the kind of base of that, that trio. But Yeah, uh, Yaya Toure's not a bad backup either. No, he? he's not a bad backup, and uh, and Keita is the third, he's, he's okay. Um, um, but uh, so they keep the ball. Eighty-five percent of of their passes are, are you know on target. We were down at seventy-two percent yesterday. That was it. what was that was the most maddening thing about that game yesterday was our inability to keep the ball. It was just it. I I, I I'm not an expert in football. I'm an enthusiastic supporter and I'm a great appreciator of the game. But I don't know that much about the the deep ins and outs of it. But I do not understand why you can't teach players to keep the ball better and why English football in particular has had such a problem with that for such a long time. Well, it must be about technique, right? It must be about coaching players and systems and it's got to be about that. It's, it's got yeah. to be, yeah, it's ingrained from an early age. I mean, we don't play long ball football in England anymore, so I guess the, the culture has changed significantly, especially especially with the number of, of uh, overseas players that are now in the Premier League. But but United weren't great in midfield last night. I mean, Carrick is the Rolls-Royce player in the middle there who, who is a wonderful passer of the ball, but has been shocking for weeks now. And yeah, that was like the culmination of it and Darren Fletcher is, is not the player you expect to be pinging passes around he's the the, the destroyer and, and our other player was, was Gibson and he's 
he's he's still developing, but I don't, I don't see him as as that you know quality ball playing midfielder. He gets ahead of the ball and he scores goals, and I don't know whether that's enough. I mean, he's part. I think Darren Fletcher could easily be part of a brilliant, 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 brilliant midfield. So so I think I think it would be a one a wonderful piece of business if Ferguson was to spend a significant proportion of the summer budget on a really top class central midfielder. It's just that is not such a straightforward ask, is it? Because who who are you going to get to be that? Fielder? I haven't got the answer for you on that one. I mean, if you if you look around Europe, the sort of goal scoring midfielders are are at clubs that are not going to be letting them go. So we we spoke about those two Barcelona players. Obviously, Lampard and Gerrard are off limits and also aging. Um, there's Marek Hamsek at Lazio, who who might be an option, but they're talking very big money. And Johan Gorkov, uh, we saw last night uh, for Bordeaux, also a very, very talented French midfielder. Um, aside from that, there's not a whole lo- load of options. He could take a punt on a younger player like uh, Mehmet Ozil, the German-Turkish player who's out of contract this summer. We'll see. He's got to be looking at that, that, that area of the pitch for sure. Taking a punt on a young player isn't necessarily the answer because you could just do that by just leaving Gibson at the club and assuming that Michael Carrick has a better season next season. Yeah, I don't know if we can assume that with Carrick. I mean, we we know what we get out of Carrick and uh, unfortunately he's gone a little bit backwards, hasn't he? Yeah, it's very strange because, I mean, I remember you giving him a huge amount of credit for the some of the turnaround in United's fortunes a few years ago when we started winning things again, and you said that he he was like a, an absolutely key piece of the jigsaw that changed changed things there. I, I think I think he was actually, and I, I think the reason he was is that he sped the ball up to United's midfield, so he does he distributes very quickly. I think the the problem is that, uh, and I, I, I'm not with the crowd that says, oh well, he doesn't take games by the scruff of the neck and all of that kind of media nonsense, because I actually I don't really know what that means. He he's Michael Carrick. What he does is get the ball and he distributes it accurately and quickly and gets in the right positions defensively. Um, his problem is his passing has been woeful and. I, I, it's a form thing, isn't it? But it, it seems to be uh, happening for quite a long time. I, I wonder if he's unhappy, actually. I wonder if there's something going on at the club that he's just not happy with. Because that would, that would make sense to me as, as a, a reason for, for, for his form changing so radically and you know him not being able to keep the ball. I know there was some talk at some point of a falling out with the boss. Well, he was out the side at the beginning of the season, wasn't he? So, and, and Ferguson demands very, very highly of his players. And, and when they don't produce that, they're told in no uncertain terms and they have to go away and think about what it means to be a United player. And Nani has done that. And I think the noises he's made and the performances he has put in, and I've been his most severe critic, um, have justified the Ferguson's approach there, and he has shown he's got the mental toughness to be a United player and to deal with that. Maybe, maybe Ferguson's just asked for a step up in quality from Carrick, and he can't do it, and we have to accept he is what he is. Theoretically, the midfield three yesterday could could be the kind of heartbeat of a pretty good side playing the system, you know, with Valencia on one side and. Rooney through the middle and Nani on the other side and Carrick, Fletcher and Gibson or ideally those three and a fourth absolutely world-class midfielder rotating. I've just realised I didn't even say Anderson. I completely forgot he even existed. He's been completely... Is he, am I stupid? Is he seriously injured and been out of action or is he just not even thought of for selection? A- anterior cruciate ligament damage in his left knee. He'll be back uh, just before Christmas. Right, there you go. So that's that's a good long way off. And 
the other person forgot all about that could make a very key difference in that situation is uh, a fit and on-form Owen Hargreaves. Oh, Owen Hargreaves is is absolutely crucial. But hey, that's uh, that's hoping for something completely completely different. And uh, his rehabilitation has been so long coming, we've no idea whether he'll come back uh, to be the same player again. So, but yeah, that would be great if he did. Still not the uh, the the sprinkling of stardust, is it, in the middle that um, we could really no, but- really do with. But I'm 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 not totally convinced that it's the sprinkling of stardust that we need. Efficiency is the most important thing in the middle of the park in that system because your front three are constantly going to be providing kind of moments of inspiration and the little keys to unlock defences and all that kind of stuff. I, I don't know. I think uh, Xavi Hernandez and uh, Andres Iniesta are a little more than efficient for Barcelona. Absolutely. I'm just, of, of course, yeah, I agree with you. Um, but I just I just think that the system could work under those circumstances with, you know, it's not like these players are not gifted at all. Like Darren Fletcher is obviously a, turned out to be a very, 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 very fine footballer. Listen, we could go round and round in circles on this one, couldn't we? But certainly the idea that you could you could just take the squad as it is and not inject anything significant and then be really challenging for the highest honours in, in football. It doesn't, it doesn't quite look like that at the moment. But then, I mean, okay, assuming you can replace the goalkeeper, which is a huge assumption, if you look at... The, you, you, you talked about the injury list, you know, that just the, the extent to which we've kind of been hampered by injury this season. If those injuries hadn't happened, we'd be romping the league, wouldn't we? Well, um, I mean, another way of looking at that is to say that uh, given what's happened to United this season, lost two top players one very top player and 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 then Tevez and had up to 10 injuries uh Chelsea should be 15 points ahead yeah absolutely so I mean there's there's no denying that yeah we'd definitely be in a better points situation without those defenders but I don't think you can base your strategy on wow we've been unlucky because no actually I think a lot of that could have been foreseen so yes. Gary Neville being out injured you can foresee that Rio Ferdinand history of back problems yes you can see that yeah, Evans has had on and off injuries. Definitely, you can see that. So there were some we, key key players, and Edwin Van der Sar at forty. You've got to expect he's going to get injured. So key players either had a history of injury or getting on a bit, and uh, we didn't really think about that last summer. Well, and I have to say that you and I did think about that because I'm pretty sure that about a third of the second rank cast we ever did was devoted to how are United going to put a back four out all season long. Turns out that uh, we couldn't. Just before before we go, what do you think of the decision to play Rooney? I, I thought it was a huge gamble, uh, but based on the fact that uh, one Ferguson uh, has lost all confidence in in Dimitar Berbatov, and he'd rather have Rooney on one leg than Dimitar on two. Um, at, at two, he knew that, that that kind of rousing, inspirational effect of having Rooney in the team was absolutely crucial, um, and that Rooney moves the ball around, and it was all about pace last night, and, and obviously Berbatov slows the game down and. Um, having seen what Munich did to us in Munich, uh, he knew that he wanted pace through the side, and uh, and he was prepared to take that huge gamble as a result. And obviously, it worked for 40 minutes, um, and and then backfired. And and to be honest, if you if you look at Rooney's kind of touch and movement profile, after about 20 minutes, he was standing still. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was when that was when it, it first looked like he was in trouble, wasn't it? The question is 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 does that really end the season? Is there I mean, what do you what do you feel are Man United's chances of winning the league this season? 
Well, we've got Blackburn and Rovers away, and traditionally that's been a tough fixture, but Blackburn aren't really fighting for anything right now. United absolutely have to win. Uh, Sam Allardyce is a big friend of Fergie. I, I can see United winning. Then we have Manchester City away, and that that's, a, that's the crucial one. That's the absolute decider. If United go to Eastlands and win, and then after that they've got Spurs at home, Stoke at home, and a trip to Sunderland, and they're all very much winnable. So yeah. we go to Eastlands and win, 15 points in the bag, Chelsea still have Liverpool away and Spurs away and Spurs are fighting like mad at the moment they could definitely take points Liverpool well it depends whether they're still in the Europa League or not I suppose they might end up resting players because it'd be around the time of the semi-final so we'll see but uh, you know Anfield is is never an easy place right so they could drop points in those two games aside from that I think they've got um, They've got Bolton and Stoke and, yeah, no marks, basically. But, um, look, there's a chance. I can definitely see Chelsea dropping a couple of points. I can see us dropping points at Eastlands. Um, If we don't and Chelsea do, well, it's down to goal difference and they're a bit ahead. So it's a tough ask for us to see Chelsea dropping points in two games. Yeah, so it's, 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 I think, fair to say that it's fairly unlikely. Well, it's a good job that at the beginning of the season just decided that, you know, Carling Cup will do, won't it? <laughs> that's the trophy everyone really wants. But it's the standards at United. That's, that's, we will have a trophy. We've been, worst case scenario, we're going to be second probably in the Premier League. Made the European Cup quarterfinal and um, it'll be a disappointing season. I, I suspect he needs a keeper, a defender, a top-class midfielder and a striker. And I, I think we'll get two, um, you know, in addition to the young players we've already brought in. And I think next year will also be a transitional season. And then maybe we're looking at 2011-2012 to have a real, you know, real crack at the European Cup again. And then there's the, you know, there's huge question marks over the future of the ownership of the club and that that could obviously have a massive impact on the way the next few seasons go because it will have huge impacts on the budgets. Yeah, absolutely. Glazers in place and there is very little money to spend. Well, actually, if you look at the economics, almost nothing. Uh, depends on exactly how much they take out and how quickly they want to pay down their own debts. Um, if the Red Knights make a bid and, you know, maybe they will. I have to say, I think some of the momentum's gone out of this now. The noises coming out are they want fans to put their hands in the pockets for anything up to three hundred million pounds. That's not going to happen. Although I did have an interesting conversation yesterday with uh, one of the directors at Supporters Direct, which is the government um, initiative to encourage fan ownership, and he was very much of the opinion that one point two to one point five billion, which is the number I quoted that in, was was wrong, and that um, this is the best chance that United fans have ever had or ever will have of uh, taking control of the club and they must seize it with both hands so yeah and you're right to to come back to your point that will definitely impact on transfer strategy yeah so just before we finish today I I wanted to give a shout out to RedGM99 on Twitter who um, uh, at replied you yeah Barca would have done United so I think tonight's big loser is uh, Glazer, which is which is I think a, a fairly sound point because I, I I'm not sure this United side quite has what it takes to beat Barcelona. Although I would rather have been given the shot at it. But if we're going to uh, either lose in the quarterfinals or uh, or the finals, I guess it's probably okay to weaken the Glazers' financial position very slightly. Well, there's an interesting piece in this month's Red Issue citing recent ticket sales for the Carling Cup final, whereby season ticket renewals, or for executive areas in this case, were tied to getting a Carling Cup final ticket. 
um, and that um, the Glazer family was desperately hoping United would make the European Cup final so they could uh, tie normal season ticket renewals to getting a, a European Cup final ticket. So, yeah, yeah, one in the eye for the Glazers, that one. Uh, I suppose we can take that small, small piece of comfort. So no. before we go, um, I, I just wanted to mention Javier Chicarito Hernandez, who is signed for United today for an undisclosed fee, rumoured to be around £8 million, it seems that... Uh, quite high he's 21 year old striker from Chivas that's Guadalajara's club in Mexico he's got 28 goals in 68 games in the Premier Division and uh, four in four for his national side so um welcome Chicharito all right not wanting to rain on your parade or our collective parade in any way can you name the four sides that he scored again I certainly can he has scored twice against Bolivia once against New Zealand and once against North Korea that's tough. I have to say, uh, if that was Bolivia away, then fair enough, we might have signed the best player in the world because it's pretty hard to score goals there. So as part of the deal, United will um, open Chivas's new 45,000-seater stadium. So um, United, of course, are on a North America pre-season tour. I think they play in Houston and Philadelphia and a couple of other cities, and I guess they'll head over to Mexico City for a fifth stop. But we, we might get to see them a little bit earlier than that because Mexico are playing England at Wembley on the 24th of May. So he's been in the Mexico squad recently. Um, it would be great to see, uh, have a look at him. He looks all right on YouTube. I mean, it's every scout's favourite piece of research uh, tool these days, isn't it? So um, uh, top 10 goals, shows some uh, nice touches, scored with both feet and his head. Looks like he's got a good leap on him, a bit of power to him. Uh, one of his top 10 goals did come off the back of his head when he was looking the other way. Bit worrying. And I'm pretty sure another one of them was meant to be a cross. No, no, it's a Georgie Best style piece of skill. Lobbed it into the top corner, yeah. Yeah, uh, well, good luck to the lad. I have to say, again, to put yet another damper on things, Christian Chucho Benitez scored a lot of goals in Mexico and he appears not to be able to kick the ball where the goalkeeper isn't standing. So yeah, and Manchester City had that, um, that Argentinian they got from the Mexican leagues, didn't they? And he 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 cost five minutes. I can't remember, Veluso or something like that? Cast at unitedround.co.uk if you can remember who that player was for City. Uh, I think he played a couple of games and then disappeared. Yeah, so I'm not necessarily sure he's going to set the world alight, but would be fantastic to be proven wrong. Maybe he could be, you know, the perfect partner for Wayne Rooney and we can suddenly have a world beat inside again. That'd be brilliant. Yeah, I think that's what they said about Manucho and Dong and Mane Biram Diouf. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. Take this one with a pinch of salt. Of course, for the cynics amongst you, the, uh, the Glazers Bond prospectors did say that uh, our popularity in certain regions around the world will be based uh, will be dependent on uh, playing players from those certain regions around the world i think we know what that means yeah it means let's buy some mexicans so we can sell some shirts ed even though it's been a pretty miserable week of football it's been delightful talking to you about it it's uh, it's always nice to get some perspective on these things that the lot is hurt i guess because uh, that's how you you know get to, to have the joy of the wins the whole dot of cliches of you know we'll keep the red flag flying high or the green and gold one until it becomes appropriate to use the red one again and you have to take the the bad times with the good you you do um although of course i learned a valuable lesson after my ridiculous optimism uh, a lifetime of negativity and doom when it comes to these singers 
as uh, my readers keep telling me. I was optimistic in Rankcast last week. I'll never do it again. Don't worry, readers. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll stay uh, sunny and cheerful from now until uh, till the end of time, regardless of football results. Um, but yeah, uh, we'll, we'll do this again next week, shall we, Ed? We shall, after a thumping good win at Blackburn Rovers.